This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and a registration, visit projectsanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast for Project Sanctus. I am Reverend Kelly Isola. I'm here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation, and almost certified scuba diver, Reverend Ogan Holder. How are you doing? How are you telling it all my business on the podcast? That's my job. <laughs> I tell it my oh, business. Okay, sorry. I was that trying is, to celebrate. Thank you. I I I received that. I received that celebration. Yes, I went scuba diving for the first time uh, today. Uh, yes, I am training for certification. I was a I was a hot panicky mess when we started. <laughs> it was it was it was something to behold because my brain just kept wanting to use my nose for breathing, which you don't do in scuba diving. And it took, it took a few minutes to, to fire up some new pathways around a breathing practice. But once I did that, I was great. I was under the water for almost 40 minutes. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And I get to do it all over again tomorrow. So yay. uh, I'm so excited. Bucket list stuff, man. Bucket list. There you absolutely check. So, uh, So this is With Love and Justice for All, our podcast where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, uh, especially um, focusing around the challenges that arise uh, for spiritual seekers or as spiritual seekers, as well as spiritual communities. Um, It can be very challenging moving, you know, moving spiritual communities, you know, through a, a process and through an evolution into fostering liberation. Before we move into our uh, our conversation today, which is awesome black women, we always wanna thank our listeners and subscribers that are here in the US and also around the world in El Salvador, Canada, India, Norway, France, Barbados, Chile, and then some and beyond. I love naming the countries. It always just gets me kind of jazzed thinking that people from all over are listening. It sort of makes the world big, but also brings it kind of in and connected. Yes. So <clears throat> that's my um, that's my little spiritual thought, thirty second thought for the week. <laughs> that one. Uh, if you'd like to join a conversation, we are on Facebook Live, and so you can can join live uh, at Get Our Holy On. Uh, also, that's our handle on Instagram at Get Our Holy On, or you can call and leave a message four one three four three eight four six five nine, which is four four one three Get Holy. Um, as I said today, we are talking about awesome Black women. It is February and Black History Month. But before we go down that road, I think Ogan, you have a couple of um, treats for us to put on our calendar. Yes, some save the dates. Uh, the first date to save a uh, group of dates, March 9th, 10th, 11th, from 10 to 1 p.m. Eastern. We are rolling out the beginning of our conscious anti-racism, I guess, curriculum. Uh, we're doing the first series of workshops. 
and you, you want to save the date uh, for those. We're going to be looking into um, 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 some healing practices, some embodied anti-racism, some culture building practices. Um, we will cover some, I don't know, I don't, I hate to use the phrase anti-racism basics, but it's like, it's, this is more than an introductory workshop, but it's also things that some of you may have some learning around already, but it doesn't matter. Come, come relearn, come with a, what is, what is it? The, uh, the, the karate philosophy is come, come with a white the beginner's belt mind, the beginner's mind. There you go. That's like white belt philosophy. No, that's not quite it, but beginner's <laughs> mind. Okay. Yeah. Come with the beginner's mind uh, with it as as well. And invite your friends who may not have participated in stuff like this before, but really want to. Um, and then we're also starting a new 846 book club selection, March 21st. Um, this is Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. This is just a collection of like stories, dreamscapes, like everything. Other people are, are doing some guest writing as well, but this is about how pleasure prioritizing pleasure and joy um, rewrites the landscape for yourself and the world around you and shifts the soul like capitalistic uh, pressure of grind and toil and it's it's a fabulous piece of work um, so join us for that and also um, the do the work anti-racist activity workbook uh, that we've done a few times people are loving that we've decided to really make this now a, a monthly sort of drop-in practice as opposed to the weekly thing we usually done so starting april 4th and the subsequent first saturdays of every month from 10 to 11 30 a.m eastern we'll gather and visit one of the chapters and then you kind of got a whole month to practice and work and do things around it and then come back and we do some more so this is like the slow and steady wins the race even though there's not really a race see what i did there right. double entendre there's not really yes okay just check. Yeah. just check you didn't seem impressed yes. so I just I, 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 well I, it's because it took a second for my brain to catch up, right? So, like, my only spiritual thought for the week was that one right. little one about people okay. around the world. So, that tells you where my, you know, pistons it, might not be firing. Listen, if it's any consolation, I didn't get it till after I said it. Also, so <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. all right, I, can, I don't have to feel bad. No, sometimes I surprise even myself. <laughs> uh, so. It was very good, though. I try. I'm at my best yeah. when I'm not trying to be at my best. That is, right. That is that absolutely. Is yeah. So, anyways, so uh, market calendars for all those things, and also, please tune in next week. As Kelly said, we live stream this this uh, broadcast. Uh, sorry, this podcast. Um, next week we will have uh, Dr. Joel Brown on, good friend of mine, good friend of ours, and he is just uh, released his new book, The Souls of Queer Folk how understanding LGBTQ plus culture can transform your leadership practice. So this is a very important work um, and um, you don't want to miss this. So if you can catch mm -mm. it live, that would be great, but just generally, yeah. otherwise you can download the podcast at any other time, of course, and all the podcast platforms, tell your folk about it. So those are the save the date thing. So uh, yeah, let's, let's jump in with the awesome black women absolutely awesome black women and it's also timed you know while this is february is um black history month march is women's history month so we thought we'd um Ooh, crossover. since we'll be a, yes since we'll be on hiatus uh for march um yes. we're kind of you know putting putting the two topics together so um we wanted to celebrate achievements and contributions of um, particularly paying tribute to black women innovators who really most often are overlooked and excluded from history books. And so we're going to go through 10 uh, awesome things, little gadgets and innovations that you probably use a lot every day or at least once a day, but you might never have it in your hands or being using it without the invention or innovation of these black women. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is actually about your phone. Um, and so Dr. Shirley Jackson, um, through her research, she she led to the innovation, um, uh, not just the development of touchtone phones or portable fax machines, um, but also fiber optic cables so that our long distance calls really became crystal clear. Um, she, uh, um, if you remember, 
the days of call waiting and caller ID, mm-hmm. um, which we still have caller ID, but call waiting where you heard that beep and you, you touch the phone. Um, uh, this is, you know, you that's really like if you think about caller ID and if you think about, you know, all the innovations, it's Dr. Shirley Jackson that, that we have um, to thank for that. She was the first black woman to earn a doctorate from MIT. Uh, the first black female president of a major technological institute and went on to become the first black woman appointed chair of the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Nice. Um, and she has a long, long list of achievements, awards and appointments. Um, so just know, like when you pick up your phone and, you know, uh, not just touch tone, but and I know we don't really use fax machines anymore, but fiber optic cables and 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 from these things, more innovation has always grown. But we can thank uh, Dr. Shirley Jackson. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I am particularly uh, grateful for this next one. As a person <laughs> from the Caribbean who had to suffer through quite a few winters, uh, the heater. Like mm. you walk into your home and you turn on the heat. You can thank Alice H. Parker for that. So Alice Parker designed a natural gas-fueled, quote, new and improved heating furnace. And the design was patented in December of 1919. It helped give birth to the thermostat and, um, and was uh, integral in the development of the forced air furnaces that most homes have today. So because of her... I am not suffering in winters <laughs> when I was in winter places. Now I'm not suffering because I'm in Barbados, but yeah, but yeah, nice. but we, you know, many of us just think it's not even a luxury anymore. It's just a, con- a convenience a thing that has right. to happen in a, in a house. You know, we don't even think about it. We don't even think about it anymore. But And now you just, you know, like the thermostat now, now you just schedule it like on my phone right i can i can put the two women together you thank you dr shirley jackson and alice parker on my phone i can program my thermostat exactly 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 and turn it again yes turn it on remotely from your phone if you've got a smart home now yeah you know and that signal from your phone is going to all the fiber optic cables and boom the heater turns on so you come home to a nice warm home and all that what's really what was really cool so I lived, I lived in a loft for a while and I had it all like smart homed out with Google home and all that sort of stuff. And I had, and I had it, uh, my, my smartphone, uh, location set to it. So basically when I, when I got within five miles of the house, it will automatically trigger mm-hmm. the Google home to turn on yep. the heat. So, you know, to save money, to drop it a few degrees when I'm not there and, you know, lights are on, heat's on. Ah, it was like, I'm living in Star Trek. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. So thank you, Alice Parker yep. and and Dr. Shirley Jackson for, for those things. Who do we have? Who do we have next up? Next, we have Sarah Good, who I am having, I live in a small apartment. I've lived in many small places, um, but we're celebrating Sarah Good. In 1885, she became the first African-American woman to file a patent. Uh, She was born into slavery. After the Civil War, she moved to Chicago. There she met her husband and the two of them opened a furniture shop. Um, Back in the 1880s, most black families in Chicago didn't buy a lot of furniture because they lived in very small homes and apartments. So seeing a need to, to, you know, use the space, innovative ways to use the space and maybe have a little furniture, she designed what was called a cabinet bed. And it was a bed that could fold into a functioning desk like a um, transformer, <laughs> you know, it's a, but it folded it into a functioning desk. So it was kind of like a Murphy bed, only more useful. You know, Murphy beds are those ones that you just, that you kind of fold up into the wall, yeah. right? But she, this one folded into a desk. So uh, it's just, um, I don't know that I see those around. I don't think they're, they're you know, available anymore that, that people, what? that they're made. Murphy but beds? imagine if, no, the the folding a bed into a desk. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, her invention. Like I don't think I've ever seen that, but well, I mean, somebody should I'm be sh- making it. 
I'm sure if you go to some of those like tiny, tiny apartments in New York that cost about $6,000 a month to rent, I'm sure you'd find one of them. there. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I don't know that I have never seen it in all my shopping for little spaces, but, um, imagine if they were like the space you could save, like even where I live now, it's just only 800 square feet. Um, and people live in much smaller spaces, dorm rooms, tiny houses, studio apartments. Right. So, um, but the ingenious of innovative, you know, space-saving solutions and um, some of the, you know, the the engineering and the science and that, you know, her creativity in creating that um, cabinet bed is still used for people that build tiny houses. So it's, this, it's the same creativity. It's the same, you know, space, your ability to see space. So we have to thank her for like, the torture of assembling ikea furniture is that <laughs> i don't know that i'd go that far because i don't know if that's what she was creating right have yeah. a into slot b but <laughs> you're right you know i'm making i'm making a leap here i'm making a leap yeah you're right you're right i shouldn't i shouldn't do that but you know hey you know i i wouldn't be surprised if they took a look at some of her work and said you know what? yeah let's build on this i don't know I'm making that up. That part I'm making the up. Ad, the advent of innovative space-saving solutions that still continues today. Exactly. Yep. All right. Very cool. And to protect all of that space-saving furniture, many of us have, <laughs> you like that segue? Many of us have yep. so home security units installed. And for that, we have to thank Marie Van Britten Brown. So when she and her husband, Albert, noticed that the uh, their neighborhood in New York was suffering from increasing crime and very, very slow response time from police. Probably had nothing to do with the fact that she was black. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, yes. The, the slow response to her parts of town. Yes, we clear what those parts were. Um, she decided, she and her husband um, decided we got to make our home feel safer. So in 1966 they filed a patent for a household closed circuit television security system so it had a camera at the front door looked through uh, different peepholes at different heights then the image was broadcast to a television in another part of the house they had a two-way microphone to allow for communication with visitors at the door a remote switch that could unlock the door to let people in and if the person was unsafe or seemed unsafe, they could push an alert button to signal a nearby security firm. So in essence, it hasn't changed much at all. So yeah, you, I want to pause here. Okay. Because the the guy that invented the ring, you know, a billion dollar industry. Yes. Um, and that's what she did 50 years ago. Yes, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> As she files as, a patent and gets nothing. As 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 you probably should be. As as you probably should be. Um, but yes, that is that's that's who we have to thank for that. Um, Marie Van Britten Brown. And her husband, be nice Albert. if if uh, if Jamie Simonoff, you know, acknowledged that once in a while. I don't know who's that. He's the creator of Ring. Oh, the Ring doorbell. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That I, you know, it's a he had a he was rejected from Shark Tank, but got a billion dollar deal with Amazon. So it would just be nice, you know. Uh, he's a you know he's an inv innovator himself, long time, and you know was spent time in his garage. Probably did the same thing that um, uh, that Maria Marie Van Britten Brown did. You know, the testing right. and noodling around in your garage or your living room or whatever but just yeah yeah wouldn't mind hearing a little connection there them, them's the breaks unfortunately uh, but yeah. hey we're making a connection now so yes there's that so moving on to rock and roll rock and roll but, yeah many people uh, uh receive credit for inventing rock and roll elvis presley was referred to the king of rock and roll chuck berry the father of rock and roll uh, Alan Freed coined the term rock and roll, but did you know that rock and roll also has a godmother? Mm -hmm. uh, in the 30s and 40s, sister Rosetta Tharp was one of the first people to combine gospel music with melody-driven urban blues, traditional folk, and a unique pulsating swing style. Um, today, Tharp's musical style is considered one of the 
um, first definite precursors of rock and roll. So legends like Elvis Presley, Little Richard, Johnny Cass, Chuck Berry were all influenced by her unique musical style. Yet somehow her name is left out when people Shocker. talk about history, rock and roll. So put this in your brain, people. Sister Rosetta Tharp in the 30s and 40s. Um, she was she was uh, she was rocking and rolling. Mean guitar player. She was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You can find some of actual video recordings of her on YouTube. So like this is not. Yes. It's not not that long ago. Not no, not really. No, thank you for that. Um, so I don't necessarily use this a lot because I really don't have a lot of hair, but a good hairbrush, a good hairbrush. So I love this. It says, have you ever seen those old time movies where women brush a hair through their hair a hundred times, come to neat stroke and what appears to be an unnecessary waste of time. <laughs> ah, but, um, hairbrushes, a thing that we take very much for granted were not as user-friendly as they were today. Brushing and yep. combing hair was apparently a long, difficult process. And in 1898, Lydia D. Newman invented a simple yet revolutionary new and improved hairbrush. And they had separated bristles, slots that kept dirt and hair contained, and a detachable compartment for easy cleaning. Um, so that's i mean so many people have brushes of all kinds on their dresser mm -hmm. and um and i guess we maybe assumed it was always this look the way they do no they haven't right so no uh you know and you have to remember that um you know it wasn't it wasn't all that long ago like like today many i'll just stick with women and hairbrushes you know they wash their hair every day or at least every other day and you know and <clears throat> hair products have radically changed you know you can actually mm -hmm. wash them out but if you go back 50 years 70 years you know 100 years um it was you know you did not wash your hair every day and you used a lot of strange things to keep it you know the way presentable mm -hmm. um and so a hairbrush was just the hundred times brushing your hair a hundred times was to get all the crap out of it um, and to get dirt out of it. And it was painful. Um, so it really, um, a good hairbrush is, is you know, um, Lyda Newman's invention is not just, you know, it wasn't just for looking good, but, you know, keeping for health, you know, keeping your hair healthy. Um, and then I, I didn't realize having a detachable compartment for easy cleaning, which in my mind, how much are you collecting <laughs> that you have well, a whole listen, compartment? Listen, so so there were times when I had very close cropped hair. I actually got like a little frohawk going on right now. But I had close cropped hair all over and I had beard and there was a lot of brushing. And mm. you had not just hair, but like dead skin particles and stuff. Yes. And yeah. there was, you know, a lot of brushes today don't have that compartment that you can open up and scrape all that gunk out. Actually had to then get a comb. <laughs> I had to comb my brush to get some of the wow. things out and wash the brush to get all the gunk out. Yeah. A compartment that I could have just opened up and, you know, flaked all the crap out. That would have yep. been really nice. I don't, why don't they make those anymore? I don't know. I, guess I was surprised when you said that a compartment. I'm like, I don't yeah, know that I've ever seen a brush much. with a compartment. Yeah, because yeah. I'm here looking at the at like the patent image, and I'm like, that's that's kind of genius. Just start yeah. making those again. But I guess it'd have been they would be I guess expensive because you can get, you can get a brush, you can get a brush for what a couple of bucks now. You start putting in compartments yeah. and hinges and all that kind of stuff. You know, you're looking at ten yeah. bucks or more. Yeah. So, anyways. Thank you, Lady D. Newman, for, for the good hairbrush. Bridget Biddy Mason. She's, uh, she did not invent the city of Los Angeles, but she did shape the city's downtown area. Uh, she was born into slavery and traveled with her enslaver, Robert Smith, uh, as he moved around the country. So when Robert Smith moved his family to and those he enslaved to California, um, Bridget Biddy Mason discovered 
that slavery was illegal in the state. And so she petitioned the courts to free her and her family, and she won. Um, I'm going to guess her enslaver didn't realize what he was doing. Maybe not. So she, yeah. So what she did with her freedom is she, she worked as a nurse and she worked as a midwife uh, until she had enough money to buy some real estate. And she eventually bought 10 acres for $250 and she built rental homes and eventually a larger commercial building when she rented that out. Um, and she invested in that and developed that land, which is now today is the heart of downtown LA. Uh, as she continued to build her wealth, she established the first African Methodist Episcopal Church and donated time and money to multiple charities and community programs. And despite all of that, and actually creating what is the downtown area of Los Angeles, she um, she's buried in an unmarked grave in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. She had died in 1891, um, but she's in an unmarked grave. Um, her real estate and her money went to her children, but the, during the, the uh, depression, pretty much all of that was lost, including the legacy. So now, 100 years after her death, LA's mayor and 3,000 members of that church that uh, she founded um, uh, gave her grave a proper tombstone. And, um, and uh, they made November 16th, declared it Biddy Mason Day. And today there's a memorial to her achievements at the site where her home once stood in downtown LA. I wonder how many people live in LA or, you know, pass through downtown LA or work in downtown LA. Not have to mention, any idea. Not, right. And not to mention what that land is worth now. And yeah. it stayed in her family. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. Good. Can't imagine. For, but she, you know, originally $250. Yeah. Well, I mean, adjusted for inflation, that's a lot of money still. But, yes. but, but the fact that that is probably some of the most expensive real estate in the world, right. just in the US, in the world, and it was property from this formerly enslaved Black woman. Yep. That's, that's pretty powerful. Who, who uh, you know, what I, what I find so miraculous was that she was able to, you know, she, it wasn't that her enslaver, you know, allowed her to be, you know, set her free and, and her family, but she went to court and won. Yeah. Yes. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. She, yeah. she took hold of her own uh, destiny and agency yeah. and, and for her family. And, and what I love about the story is that she just didn't like rest on the success of her own freedom, but provided, um, um, better life experience for others through the yes. you know founding of the church, yep. the charities, community programs. Um, yeah, good for her, good for her, and good for us because of her. Yep. Um, next up, we have Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner, and she patented many inventions in her life, including the new and improved bathroom tissue holder, which caught the loose end of the toilet paper for easier use. What happened to those? I want. Can, can we find one of those again? Because that's always an issue. Oh my yep. goodness! Uh, a back scrabber that attached to the shower wall for better hygiene. I can get down. Yeah, with one where's? Of those. I don't know. I'm I mean, like listening to you. I'm like, where did these things go? We got. Well, I mean, you know, you know, you know where they went. Oh, a black woman invented these. Uh, no, we're not. We gotta, we gotta either gotta steal the idea or drive it out of business. Anyways, uh, I mean, we got long handled brushes now, but still, you know, which I guess uh, arguably, you know, you're standing and you're going up and down, scrubbing your back. Um, but, but the fact to think about installing something that will help with hygiene in the first place, there's that. Yeah. She patented an adjustable tray and pocket attachment for walkers which made it more convenient for people who use like walk-in aids wow. and a sanitary belt with a moisture proof napkin pocket, which, and this was like the, 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 the precursor. So the, the, the menstrual pads that were available before were, were messy and ineffective. So this made them a lot easier to use, more hygienic to use. 
So it feels mm-hmm. like her inventions were really all about improving hygiene um, yeah. of people. So that's Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner. Um, and be, not, go ahead. I was going to say, I will be on the lookout for that bathroom tissue holder. <laughs> Get you yep. some in the toilet paper. <laughs> Cause you know, you know, there's nothing worse than you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You don't turn lights on and you like yeah. you reach for the toilet paper and you can't find, you can't find where, where to pull the toilet paper. Cause right. for whatever reason that end has come, you know, like got stuck on the roll again and you like rolling this thing and trying to find the end of the paper. Um, but something I didn't even know that this was a thing. Like I'm reading this for the first time, going like, <laughs> "Wait, that there's actually a thing for that?" Because <laughs> yes. I would sit there going like, "Them, I, I." There have been times I'm sitting there going like, "There's got to be some way like this can't like we can fix this problem," but I can't. Think well, right I now. just I lick my finger and just sort of. Even roll, right, but roll, apparently yeah. there's a device. Apparently there's I know, a device I know. Invented I by didn't black know. Woman. I didn't know about yep. it either. Exactly. And and not just the hygiene, but even for for accessibility. You know, yes. so for people that use walking aids, um, you know, it, it just inventing something to make that a little easier. Mm. You know, not having to to just have your walking aid. But then, I mean, how many trips would you have to make to get, you know, some things maybe from the kitchen to your living room chair, right. you know, just to make it just a little, make life a little easier and a little more hygienic. Yeah. Do you like um, 3D movies? Um, if the plot's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, well, you know, I've seen some 3D movies that the 3D did not help at all. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, the there's uh, a woman, Valerie Thomas, a physicist, inventor, and NASA data analyst. Uh, when she wasn't busy managing the Landsat program, um, which makes millions of images of Earth, she was inventing the technology, which went on to become the premise for more advanced TV screens and our modern 3D technology. Nice. Um, in the late 70s, Thomas discovered that concave mirrors create the illusion of a three-dimensional object and then she began experimenting with how she could visually transmit that 3d illusion um and in 1980 thomas patented patented her illusion transmitter illusion that sounds like um that sounds like something that would have been aboard starship enterprise or something the illusion transmitter yeah, so in the, I didn't realize it went back that far, you know, in the late 70s, um, yeah. her discovering and working with it. But of course, a physicist, inventor, and a NASA data analyst to be able to see things 3D. Illusion transmitter, so or as we call them, preachers. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that's a real groaner. Okay, preachers. I can, say, I, can, I can say it, I am one. <laughs> Yes, I can put that now on my resume. You know, you author, podcaster, illusion, illusion transmitter. transmitter. Um, <laughs> I do have, so my, my Blu-ray player actually has, um, or the TV I have, or that is sitting in my storage unit in Maryland, um, <laughs> has has 3D technology in it, and they got glasses. Uh-huh. So if I buy a special 3D Blu-ray, I can do it. Now, it's a little bit, it's not as cool as like when you're in a theater and it's a big yeah. like immersive picture, right? But, yeah. and you got to like sit directly, you know, opposite the TV. So it's not good for like, if you're sitting off to the side on your sofa, you know, you got to be directly in front of it, but it, but it works. Um, and, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Valerie Thomas. Yeah. For that. Um, and last but not least on this list, uh, Dr. Patricia Bath invented a device that drastically improved the process for removing cataracts, which can cause impaired vision and blindness. It, uh, it's called the laser, laser FACO probe, L-A-S-E-R-P-H-A-C-O, laser FACO, FACO, I don't know how to say the word. I'm going with laser faco. Laser faco, or laser faco. I'm gonna. I don't know. We're gonna have to <laughs> laser laser faco probe. 
um, allows for quick and almost painful removal of cataracts and painless pain, painless. not painful. Sorry, painless. that was a Freudian slip there. Mm. Right. Yeah. Listen, I'm very squeamish with things around my eyes. Mm. You know, like every time I have to go in for like an eye exam, like it, I'm so anxiety ridden. Oh, the glaucoma thing where they blow air, they blow the air. You know. Yeah. And they put the drops and your pupils dilate and then like it's a whole mess i don't like people wetting with my eyes and mm. uh, i can't even like put contacts in like the thought of putting the thing on my eyeball touching my eyeball <laughs> freaks me the fuck out um and, uh and then and then i remember at one point my ophthalmologist was like you know you are a prime candidate for like laser surgery i'm like shooting lasers into my damn eyes <laughs> put a contact lens in you want to shoot a laser in my eye uh no that's not happening <laughs> I do have these irrational fears about some things, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, this device, um, quick and almost painless removal of cataracts, and it's used around the world. I think when I read the almost painless, my brain went like, "Oh, there's pain." Uh, so, right. <laughs> so we'll just say painful. We just say painful. <laughs> she was the first African American woman to receive a medical patent. She co-founded the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness and was the mm. first woman to become the head of a residency program in ophthalmology. Mm. Wow. And, but wait, there's more. She pioneered the concept of community ophthalmology, a system that increased the amount of eye care available to low-income and underserved populations. Wow. Dr. Patricia Bath. Nice going. Thank nice you, going. Dr. Beth. So yeah. uh, you can you can do a deeper dive on all these amazing black women. Um, this article is listed on Yes Magazine, and I put the link in the comments uh, on on Facebook uh, video, and I will also drop them in the show notes on your podcast device, so you can click on them and um, your podcast device, your podcast app <laughs> uh, when you pull up the podcast. Um, and you can click and read a little bit more because the article also has some hyperlinks so that you can yeah a lot of good links on uh, on each of these people and some of their inventions and stuff like that so uh, please check that out um, so the other thing we also want to do in in the in the time we have left is all to 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 do a little bit deeper dive not into these folks but to mention some other names. Um, and these are some Black history heroes that you may never have heard of. So we have big names in the civil rights and the Black history movement. Um, you know, many of the civil rights heroes that we talk about are, we can name a lot of men. We can name the Martin Luther King Juniors. We can name the Malcolm X's. We can name the Thurgood Marshalls. We can name a lot of men. And maybe when it comes to women, we got Rosa Parks and not many other names of women's on the tips of people's tongues when we talk about like the civil right. rights movement and names in, that are integral to black history um and stuff like that so there are a couple names of people both uh, not just contemporary names but names that go back as well um that you may not heard of so we're gonna we're gonna highlight a few of those uh before we wrap up this evening um who do you want to start with well i just wanted to mention uh her name is wangari matai and she um, she became the first black woman to win the 2004 Nobel Peace Prize. And that was for her environmental work in Kenya. Um, she was the first woman in East and Central Africa to earn a doctorate degree. Um, she served as chairman for six years on the National Council of Women in Kenya and introduced the idea of accomplishing the largest tree planting campaign in Africa. It was called the Green Belt Movement. Um, and the organization has planted over 51 million trees um, since it was founded in 1977. But I, I wanted to call attention to her because while she, um, uh, Wangari, you know, became the first black woman to win the 2004 Nobel Peace Prize um, and, and an enormous amount of environmental work in Kenya and East and Central Africa. Her work is really global in terms of uh, environmental 
um, well-being and um, and you know the the climate crisis that we have. And um, she was really active in this work before it was a thing, so to speak. So she's not, um, yeah. So she's she's just you know so much more. It's not just Africa. Um, and uh, what's interesting about it is that you know. Uh, just be, you know, being a black woman and in Kenya and, and in Africa, I don't, I doubt seriously that makes it any easier to become chairman of the National Council of anything or to be driving the boat of any kind of organization. It's um, simply, you know, because she's a woman. Um, but I just want people to know about the Greenbelt movement and know its roots and how much gratitude we owe to Wangari Matai to, to, you know, be so proactive so early on with the environment and climate movement. Very she's cool. One, yeah, she's been one of my heroes for a really long time. Um, um, someone, someone else that we, we need to mention, and this name, this name may not be that unknown, but I get the feeling that it might be. We're all familiar with the events at Stonewall Inn. Um, it was, um, you know, queer folk being basically beaten by police and it led to riots and it was really credited with the precipitating event for uh, the LGBTQ movement uh, right. that, that started. But what we don't often hear about or who we don't often hear about was Marsha P. Johnson. She was one of the first drag queens to walk into Stonewall in and one of the first people to really be on the forefront of the protests um, resulting from what happened to Solon. And she co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries Organization. Um, she- uh, And she's called, a trans woman. Yeah, she's a trans woman. I thought I said, yeah. did not say that out loud? No. I thought he said she's for, uh, so she was activist and a trans woman. I did say drag queen. So yeah, let me-, let me yeah be correct about that if I didn't mention it. Um, and the organization that she helped co-found um, housed and fed homeless youth that identified as queer, um, as well as mm. sex workers. And she was an AIDS activist as well, model for yeah. Andy Warhol. But but we we don't, when, when we think about Stonewall, we generally, at least I'll speak for myself, I generally think about gay men, about white gay mm. men, um, pushing back against the authorities and starting this movement at the forefront of it was a black trans woman. And she, we don't hear her name nearly enough when it comes to that event and the beginning of this, of this movement um, in America. Yeah. No, you don't. You, you're, I didn't, when you said, you know, when you think about, um, Stonewall Inn and and the um, you know LGBTQ activism that was going that you know began and uh, I also realized when you said it that you tend to think of gay men I realized yes yeah I don't always you know the unconscious image is largely men um, yes the um one of the women that I wanted to uh, to also point to was um, her name's Amelia Boynton Robinson, um, and she's recognized for her tireless civil rights advocacy, um, uh, including a, a portrayal in uh, the movie Selma, um, but in 2014. But most people don't know just what a pivotal figure she was. Again, I think it's one of those areas when we start talking civil rights advocacy and civil rights activists and voting rights, largely we hear of men. Um, and I, I don't, not wanting to take away from them, I just, I want people to know that there were a whole lot of women um, as well, black women that were pivotal figures. And she actually began her activism in the thirties um, she was advocating for voting rights after becoming one of the few African-American women registered to vote in Selma, Alabama. Um, she became the first African-American woman in Alabama to run for Congress. Um, she helped in 1964 
And the following year, she helped Martin Luther King Jr. plan the march from Selma to Montgomery um, that, uh, you know, on March 7th, which now we know is Bloody Sunday, um, she um, and roughly 600 demonstrators were attacked by state troopers with tear gas, billy clubs and whips. And, you know, when we when we hear about Bloody Sunday and, and people that were attacked and um, by state troopers, again, I'm realizing how much I think about the men, um, but she was hospitalized after the march. And um, there's actually a picture of our injuries that was circulated widely. Um, she in 65, she was invited to the White House by Johnson to sign the Voting Rights Act. Uh, and in 1990, she received the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Medal. So and and she is one of many women that, you know, uh, on the front lines fighting that we never hear about. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, we got time for one or two more. I think there was some. Um, uh, well, there was um, Alice Coachman. Okay. Um, the first before there was Serena Williams and Simone Biles, there was Alice Coachman, first black woman from any country to win a gold medal at the Olympics. Mm. Um, she grew up in the segregated South. She was discouraged, um, not just by you know our society, but her father. She was discouraged from playing sports and instead was prompted to be ladylike. <laughs> which, you know, I, you know, didn't work on me either. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, she continued to, even though with that, she continued to train. Um, she didn't have equal access to training facilities, um, but she eventually caught the attention of the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, and she was able to excel in track and field. Um, in 1948, she entered the Olympics, and she shattered the high jump record by clearing five feet, six and an eighth inch bar earning her a gold medal. Right. Yeah, she was inducted into nine halls of fame and she serves as an inspiration for black female athletes. Very cool. Um, yeah. And this name I hadn't heard about before reading this article. And again, this is, I put the link in, in the comments and it'll be in the uh, show notes for the podcast. Mary Ellen Pleasant, um, hail as the mother of civil rights in California. She was a gold rush era millionaire who used her wealth to further the abolitionist movement. So after the death of her first husband, who was also an abolitionist, and he left her a large inheritance, she went to San Francisco in 1852, which was the peak of the California gold rush. She invested in real estate, railroads, restaurants, boarding houses, building her fortune even more, employing Black people in the process. Later in life, she sheltered an escaped slave named Archie Lee. Mm. And she was a financier for John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry in Virginia. Like this, I was like, that's very cool. So, like, yeah. you know, we know about John Brown. We know about what happened in Harper's Ferry um, and all that. But, like, the fact that it was bankrolled by this Black woman millionaire in the 1800s, right? Like, I know, right? You know, like, I mean, it's in, it's something to be a millionaire now, but to be a millionaire in 18, in the eight, in the 1800s is like, yeah. you know, adjusted for inflation. I'm like, holy crap. Um, and um, historians suggest she also helped establish California's Underground Railroad as she helped other slaves escape to freedom as well. So that's, that's, that's amazing. Flipping amazing. To be a, a millionaire in, not just a Mid, millionaire, late but a black century. woman millionaire. Black woman millionaire, yes, yes, right? yes. At a time where slavery was still a thing, because she's helping, yeah. she, you know, helping slaves escape. Uh, you know, so yeah, that's that's amazing. That's pretty amazing. Um, so we hope that as you hear this, it encourages you to continue to take some deep dives into um, learning about important uh, black women in um, in America's history, um, both innovators and uh, peacekeepers and scientists and abolitionists and civil rights leaders and lawyers, you know, lawyers, doctors, all, all the things, all the things. Yep. Um, and that they still exist today. <laughs> so still, still amazing black women doing amazing things that we don't hear a lot about. Uh, shout out to Rihanna performing pregnant at the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, yeah. 
that was that was the thing. Oh my god, that was an amazing that was an amazing halftime performance um, as well. So um, as always, you can please visit projectsanctus.com to learn more about us and the invitations we have for you. Uh, registrations are going to be up soon. Are they up? Registration pages are not yet for these events, is it? No, I'm I'm working on a couple tech glitches. All right, so we having some tech glitches. Last podcast we said it'd be up soon. We got I some lied. tech glitches going on. Um, you didn't lie. You just didn't know what you would have to deal with as you said. Okay. I'm an illusion transmitter. You're an illusion transmitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, what part of what we're doing is we are we are creating some different like payment options and methods for participants and we thought oh it'd be just as simple as doing xyz and now we're like oh no no it's not that simple on the back end not not right not when you have the basic yeah. plan so, so anyways just workarounds being an illusion transmitter there you go but but other things you can discover on the on the website also um if you are a person on the insight timer app please look for our embodied anti-racist or anti-racist embodied meditations led so well by uh, Kelly. You can listen to those on the Insect Timer app um, and also make donations right through the app um, and also make donations for just the continuation of this wonderful, um, um, what's the word I want, platform we've built, Project Sanctus, um, at projectsanctus.com. I don't think I left anything else. Oh yes, when you listen to this on your on your um, different podcast platforms, and we're pretty much on all of them, uh, please rate the podcast. Take the time to rate the podcast, rate each episode if you have the option to do that. Give us all the stars, hearts, thumbs up. Part of when you do this, it pops up as suggestions for other people to listen to, and it helps get the word about the podcast out. Um, tell your friends about us. And as always, if you got that one friend that doesn't know what a podcast is, or maybe doesn't <laughs> even have a smartphone. Uh, hey, listen, man, Gen Zers are going back to flip phones. We talked about this. So uh, you know, yeah. can't listen to a podcast on your flip phone. However, True. you know, you can still find us on the old school interwebs uh, at with love and justice for all dot podbean.com. Thank you always to our listeners and our supporters. And until we meet again, let's get our holy on. Bye.